fire and brimstone. You know, it wasn't too long ago, uh, Brandon and Cressa, and I'm sure there was a couple of the people standing there, but they were talking about when they were younger and hearing uh, a lot of lessons that were just like a fire and brimstone kind of lesson. Uh, the expression fire and brimstone preaching typically describes preaching that strongly condemns the sins of man. It usually consists of imminent threats of hell awaiting all who do not repent. Often, it may involve a lot of shouting and yelling and, and like I said, a little pounding on the pulpit. I don't plan on doing that today, but who knows? I might. We all need a rebuke and maybe a little yelling and shouting and pounding as well. Sometimes we have to we have to get loud and, and pound on the pulpit to get our point across. And I admit, sometimes it's just to keep you awake or wake you up, get your attention. That's kind of what we do every now and then. But today, I want to take a more literal look at a fire and brimstone lesson or fire and brimstone preaching. We're going to look at, at God's word and find the use of this description of eternal fiery punishment and God's powerful threats to bring about change in man's behavior. So the expression fire and brimstone actually has its roots in God raining fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 19, verses 23 through 28. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants, inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. We connect that with Jude verses 5 through 7. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but, their, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. We'll notice also in verses 21 through 23, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh. God reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire, because he wasn't pleased with what was going on there. He didn't like what he saw. And we, you know, that, that wasn't just on Sodom and Gomorrah, but that is also, you can see with the angels, they didn't stay in their own position. Um, they left their proper dwelling. And so they were, he has them kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the, the judgment of the great day. So we can see that if we don't follow his commandments, repent of our sins and get baptized, we will burn in hell in a lake of fire. And we need to be in and stay in the love of God. You know, you can ask my mom and 
and my wife, and I think I've probably said this before in another lesson, but I like fire. I have since I was a kid. I, I don't know why. I like to build fires. I like to have fires. I like to be around a fire. You know, when it's cold outside, I like the smell of a fire. It's just part of that is, I don't know, I, I like to be outside. Even though I like fire, uh, I don't have any desire to spend in eternity or any amount of time in a lake of fire. God uses threats. The use of threats by God. See, so, you know, sometimes as parents, what do we do? We threaten our kids, don't we? If you don't do this, if you don't quit doing that, and then we come up with some type of punishment. We're going to take your phone away. You're grounded, or you can't go spend the night, or whatever it may be. You know, our Heavenly Father, He's always used the fear of punishment in His dealings with man. And it begins back in the beginning. In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. God continues throughout Scripture to warn of dire consequences to disobedience. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods you have not known. This reverse, or a couple of verses, remind me kind of like uh, the fight between good and evil. You either follow God's commandments and be blessed, or don't obey them and follow evil. And just as Satan did back then, whispering in people's ears, you shall not die. He does the same thing today, doesn't he? He whispers all sorts of things in our ear, like, you're a good person, you won't suffer in hell. God is too loving to send anyone that loves him to hell. There's no such place as, as hell. You can do whatever you want. And this one right here I probably gets a lot of people. God wants you to be happy. So you just do whatever you want. Just as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. And people buy it. Because Satan is the ultimate deceiver. He's done it since the beginning of time, and he will never quit doing it. He tries to deceive us, and he uses our mind against us to talk us into doing whatever the flesh wants. And we rationalize that it's okay because for some reason we think it's okay when it's not. It's indeed a sin. And God warns us to follow his commandments. But listen to me good. God never ever threats in vain, unlike some parents. There are no idle threats with God, ever. Repent or else is the continuous watchword of God. Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repent or I will remove your candlestick. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. We hear that all throughout Scripture, something to that effect. God's going to punish us severely if we fail to come to know him and obey the gospel. And I, you know, when I was, I guess I was a teenager, there was a company, I don't know if they still make them or not, but they made shirts that said no fear on the front and on the back, and they had some type of saying underneath it. I think I still have one somewhere, but, uh, you know, I always thought that was cool, no fear, and I'm not going to fear anything. Well, there is someone that we should fear, and that's God. We had all better fear God. 
we see, we see that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want God to be upset with me. My girls, they don't like it when I'm upset with them. If they think I'm up, upset with them, they will come up and ask me, you know, what's, what, I'm sorry. Or sometimes you try to get something out of them and they say, they start crying and they say, well, I just didn't want to disappoint you. Are we like that with God? We don't want to disappoint him. Do we get upset with ourselves when we do disappoint him? Because we should. The threat of fire and pain. I don't guess I realized this until I got to studying about it, but did you know that Jesus spoke more about hell than any other person in the Bible? And on top of that, he also spoke more of hellfire than heavenly bliss. Which, I mean, I guess that makes sense. He wants you to know where you don't need to go. Heaven is depicted as having gates of pearl and a street of gold. Well, guess what hell is? It's the exact opposite of that. Extreme opposite of that. An unquenchable fire. Mark 9, verse 43 through 44. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. An unquenchable fire is a fire that will never go out. It never burns out, ever. You know, I mentioned a while ago that I like fires. Well, I've had some really big fires. I've had some really hot fires. I always like to see if I could get the fire hot enough so I could watch an aluminum Coke can just disintegrate. I just thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, I got fire hot enough one time that I had a little glass jar, and I tossed that in there. And by the time the fire had gone out, it had melted. It wasn't the same form that it was before. But hell's fire will never burn out. Those fires that I've had and fires that I will continue to have in the future, they will all burn out. But hell's fire will not. And the, we read in verse 44, and I'll be honest, I almost didn't, uh, almost passed over verse 44. Uh, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Uh, it's kind of interesting, really. Kind of gross, but kind of interesting. It comes from Isaiah chapter 66, verse 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the man that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto, unto all flesh. And I looked at quite a few commentaries when, when looking at this, and that's part of the reason why I almost didn't do it, but I'm going to read a quote that's straight out of Adam Clark's commentary, so to kind of give you an idea of what he's talking about here. These words of the prophet are applied by our blessed Savior to express the everlasting punishment of the wicked in Gehenna, or in hell. Gehenna, or the valley of Hinnom, was very near to Jerusalem to the southeast. It was the place where the idolatrous Jews celebrated that horrible rite of making their children pass through the fire, that is, of burning them in sacrifice to Moloch. To put a stop to this, abomin this abominable practice, Josiah defiled or desecrated the place by filling it with human bones. 
And probably it was the custom afterwards to throw out the carcasses of animals there when it also became the common burying place for the poor, poor people of Jerusalem. Sounds like a pretty gross place, don't it? The imagery in your mind when thinking about this, I know for me at least, was, was fairly graphic. Because in my mind, I imagine a pit or an area layered with dead, decaying, rotting bodies. Just stacked one on top of the other. Now I know there's a lot of farmers and ranchers here in the congregation. And I know that you've seen and smelt your fair share of dead cows and other animals. And it, it isn't pleasant, is it? If you haven't experienced a rotting carcass of any kind, count yourself lucky. It's not pretty. It's nasty. Especially if it's been there in the heat for a while. You, you can see the worms, the little white maggots eating the decaying flesh. It's disgusting. And it stinks probably worse than anything you have ever smelt or never going to smell. And I'm sorry if I've, I've grossed anyone out, but that's what Jesus is talking about. And I don't know that there will literally be maggots eating flesh in hell. I, I think that Jesus said it quoting Isaiah and just to put that imagery in our minds so that we know that it's not any place where, where we want to be or where we want to go. And if I'm wrong about that, I apologize. I hope someone will correct me later. The threat of fire and pain, torment in flames... In Luke chapter 16, we read about the rich man and Lazarus. Verses 22 through 24. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. We know this story quite well, don't we? The rich man is in hell and, and in torment, and he wants just the tip, just the tip of a finger of water to drip in his mouth to cool his tongue. That's all. Or at this point, that's all he's asked for. But he can't have it. He can't have it because he's made his choice, or didn't make his choice, and God made his choice for him. And he's in hell, and he can't come back from hell. No matter how much he wants that, just to even have a drop of water for temporary relief. I mean, think about how much a small drop of water would be coming off the tip of my finger. That's not much to do anything, is it? And he can't even have that. 2 Thessalonians verses one, or verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And then we read in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Look back at verse 8 there when it says, 
in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do, do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. He is a consuming fire. And then they suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. If you do not know God, if you are not baptized, if you are not a Christian, this is what will happen. You will burn the punishment of eternal destruction. And you read the last of that, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You won't be anywhere close to the Lord. Not anywhere. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, I believe through 25, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto, we, we, we have the parable, I'm sorry, we have the parable here of the tares, which are weeds. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But Jesus, or, he goes on, to talk about and say that the man's servants come and tell him that there are weeds in the wheat. And they ask him if they should pull it up. And he tells them no, because he doesn't want the wheat to accidentally get pulled up with, with the weeds. So he tells them to leave them until the harvest. And we read in uh, verse 30 there, Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus goes on to preach a couple more parables here, and then he sends the multitude away, and then Jesus and, and his disciples go into this house. Once they get inside, his disciples ask Jesus. They say, tell us the meaning of the parable of the tares. So he does. Verse 37, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be on the end, in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of Father, of, as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. So here again, Jesus talks about fire and burning in a fire. He doesn't leave it up to guess of who's going to burn in the fire. He tells us exactly who's going to burn in the fire. He tells us that it's not the children of God. It's not Christians that are going to burn in the fire. It's the children of the wicked, the ones who are not Christians. You know, maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian, Christian, meaning you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sins, and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not a child of the wicked. I don't follow Satan. And I assume that's true. You haven't been baptized, though, have you? So you're not a child of God. And I, I'm sorry that may hurt, and that may hurt your feelings, but that's just the truth of it. I mean, where does that leave you? There is no third option. 
I guess you could just try to be in bliss and just live this life however you want to, but that's still choosing, or that's still not choosing God. You haven't made that choice. If you were to die right now, or if Jesus were to come back right now, you wouldn't make it to heaven. On judgment day, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, just like verses 42 and 50 describe. You will go through, and forevermore go through, extreme pain and agony. You will grit and grind your teeth. You will scream for the Lord to save you and ask for another chance. Guess what? Your chance is gone. We sing a song about Jesus saves. Yeah, Jesus saves. He saves if you come to him before you die and you decide to follow him. He doesn't save after you're dead if you haven't made that decision. Because by that time, it's too late. If you haven't already made that decision, you're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. That's not what Britt McCarter says. That's what the Bible says. It's the honest truth of it. Outer darkness. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, talks about an outer darkness. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into, into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We also read about a blackness of darkness forever in Jude, in the 13th verse. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Can you imagine being in just complete darkness forever? Not being able to see anything, what's going around you? You know, if I have to walk anywhere in the dark, I usually have a flashlight with me. I don't like to walk around in the dark not knowing what's going on. The dogs start barking outside at night. I grab my bright flashlight and I'm shining in the backyard. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want something to sneak up on me. Now imagine going to hell and not being able to see anything. All you hear is screaming, crying, yelling out for help. You can't see what's going on. To me, that's terrifying. Like I said, I like to see what's going on. I mean, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? If that doesn't scare you, then let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. What kind of place must that be? A place that God has made for Satan and his angels to suffer eternal punishment. It's made for Satan. Prepared for Satan. Why would you want to be in a place like that? You wouldn't. But that's where we go if we're not a child of God. How bad that must be. I mean, who wants to be around Satan all the time? I don't. I don't even want to be around him for a little bit. I don't even want to be around someone or anything that likes Satan. Anything that hates God, and that's exactly what Satan does. He hates God. He doesn't want anything to do with God. We should dread to think of it. Now, finally, we get to eternal punishment. Matthew 25, verse 46 And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Everlasting punishment. You've been punished. We've all been punished at some point in time for something that we did, but from our parents, 
maybe at school, I don't know. It didn't last too long, though, did it? Probably got, maybe, maybe you got grounded for a couple of weeks. I don't know, maybe you got grounded for a month. I don't know how your parents punished you. Maybe it was just a good whooping, you know? You got your butt swatted for something that you did. Had a belt taken to you on your bottom. I don't know. But it didn't last forever, did it? You're not still over in the corner crying because you can't get out of the corner, are you? This isn't like that. This is forever. Forever punishment in hell with Satan. So don't be deceived. Hell is very real. It's as real as heaven is. And it lasts just as long. If heaven is forever and ever, and so is hell and vice versa. Revelations chapter 1 verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then we read Revelations chapter 20 verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life if you're in the book of life, you're a Christian. If you're not, you're not in it. And if you're not in it, what does it say? If you're not found written in the book of life, you'll be cast into a lake of fire. You know, maybe the most dreaded thought, if you are lost, if you're not a Christian, will be the hopeless moment when you die and you realize in that place of black darkness burning, unquenchable fire, agonizing pain, crying and screaming for help all around you, and Satan laughing in your face that you will never, ever, ever get out of this place. Not ever. By nature, we are hopeful creatures. If there's just a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel, we can survive. But in hell... There will be no glimmer of light. Not even a little speck of a glimmer of light. Not in a million years. Not ever. God severely threatens and warns us with a punishment that is awful and painful. Just as we just have talked about. A punishment that lasts forever. And no one in their right mind would ever want to go there. Or even toy with the idea of going there. We don't want to be in a lake of unquenchable fire, tormented in blackness of darkness, constantly surrounded by crying and yelling for help, and eternally punished to be roommates with Satan. That's not what any of us want, is it? Elders, deacons, that's not what y'all want for this congregation, is it? It's not. I would think that everyone here would want to go to heaven and not live in a dreadful place like this. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.